Welcome to Tart Club. Turgid Tomes is a wanton book club where we get together every other Wednesday to eat, drink, and discuss the latest romantical read. If you happened upon this podcast and don't like the F word or boners, now's your chance to GTFO. This is your official explicit content warning. This podcast is highly inappropriate and listener discretion is advised. I guess we should get started. How, how now, brown cow? All right. Unique New York. Unique, you know. <laughs> Greetings, fellow tarts. Ashley here, your head hussy in charge. The first book ever in the Turgid Tomes podcast book club is going to be Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. And I have my bestie, Danny, here with us to talk about it. Hi, Danny. Hello. All right. Give us a little intro. Tell us about yourself. <clears throat> so, my name is Danny, and I have known Ashley since we were 16, 15. I think it was 16 because. We were, was it Miss David? Yeah, her biology class. And we were grouped together to dissect a worm and there was a, an innuendo that took place and then friendship blossomed. Yes, instant, instant friendship. Yeah, so, and then you're the one who introduced me to the Twilight books way back in the day. Ooh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> My ride or die. <laughs> Been through a lot together yeah including these books oh fun fact danny is actually the artiste that did the podcast artwork you're making me blush (laughs) (laughs) yes she's very talented she does tons of stuff eventually um danny and her sister lisa who i will be recording with a month or so from now they actually are going to release a children's book at some point in the future so whenever that pops back up it's going to be awesome yeah just have to finish it (laughs) (laughs) it's been a few years in the making but it'll get done eventually you know procrastinators are you're painting entire cam like giant canvases as the illustrations for the book that takes time that's a lot so yeah you gotta you gotta give yourself some credit for that it's gonna be I can't wait it's gonna be amazing well thank you I'll read it to my cats it's gonna be great I'll dedicate my book to your cats (laughs) (laughs) ratchet floof and xerxes yes let's do a little bit about the author first Stephanie Meyer yeah supposedly she had a dream about a sparkly vampire and decided to write a best-selling series about it you know I'm still mad at her she totally ghosted the host series so whatever yeah and I I thought the that was pretty good so the first half of the book was awful and I was literally trying to find homework to do instead of reading it <laughs> back in the day <laughs> but then once you hit the second half of the book it it picks up a lot and it gets really interesting and then by the end of it it's a huge cliffhanger and then she just decided mm, no no I don't want to do this anymore and so, oh, okay well maybe Midnight Sun has revamped her writing career and so now maybe all these years later she'll come out with the oh the next book for that series 
10 years from now, the host sequel will come out. Midnight Sun, here we go. Let's get into it. How would you summarize? So I did not realize that when I first read this, it was a retelling of Twilight. Oh um, shit, wait, sorry, sorry. We forgot our drinks. Oh fuck. fuck. <laughs> How can we forget the drinks? Okay, we're, we almost forgot our drinks. Can't forget that. <laughs> are the best part i know right each book that we cover for book club we will each pick a drink that we feel represents the book in some way and then i will share it with you guys on social media a bit before the release of the episode so if you want to drink along with us you can actually if you listeners have some cool ideas for beverages go ahead and send those in that'll be awesome all right, I'll give you the all the info at the end of the episode here. But I have I got some bubble, some stecco cranberry, and I got this from Trader Joe's. It's a sparkling wine, sparkly like Edward and red like blood because vampires. Didn't really didn't really get too too deep into it. So <laughs> and who who doesn't like bubbly why not so refreshing first episode pop the champagne <laughs> <laughs> all right so what did you go with danny um so i am indecisive uh i am a beer drinker so i got two um i picked florida avenue brewing co which is local uh here in florida and it's a guava and passion fruit Berliner Weiss. Ooh. And I picked this one because um, the passion fruit, Bella and Edward are so like passionate for each other. Gross. Um, <laughs> and the other one is Edmund's Oast Brewing uh, Bound by Time IPA because their relationship is bound by time because he's a vampire and she's a human. So very corny. But very delicious. Horny. You already heard mine. Mine's way worse. I like that. <laughs> I was going to find like a pomegranate oh, one. Oh, shoot. Uh, because of the book cover. But the only pomegranate I could find was like hard seltzers. And I don't know. Sometimes those are hit or miss. So. Ooh, yeah. Duh. It was right in front of my face. Of course I didn't I see it. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been so good. But no. So, yep. You know what? I bet the listeners, you know, all two of them. <laughs> they they will have the best pomegranate drinks to send in okay we had to backtrack there because we forgot about the booze the amateur hour over here all right so we went over miss a little bit about miss meyer but not really just me being bitter and okay let's get into our brazen book report how would you summarize midnight sun danny so when I first started reading this, I did not realize that it was uh, a retelling of Twilight from Edward's perspective. So when I started it, I was like, oh my God, Bella turned into a real asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she really hates humans all of a sudden. And then I was like, oh, this is, this is Edward. Okay. All right. Th this is, this is what we're doing. So it's basically, uh, it's, I feel like it's a love letter to the fans of Twilight. Uh, it's a retelling from Edward's perspective where we get to hear all of his insufferable self-loathing about why he's in love with this human girl. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
What about you? 90-year-old serial killer vampire, baby-ass bitch, gets a crush on a human girl and proceeds to wreck her life and annoy the shit out of readers with his constant melodrama and inner turmoil. I mean, I think that's pretty much perfect. Obviously, we're right out of the gate. We're just shitting on it. But, there, you know, there will be some positive stuff. So don't don't let this turn you off. If you liked the book, awesome. Awesome. We're just, we're just giving our honest thoughts. It's book club. This is what we do. We sit around, we drink booze, we eat snacks. Obviously not us, because that would be really obnoxious in your ear holes. But, yeah. <laughs> I think too, if this book had come out, right, you know, a couple of years after the first set, I would have felt differently about it, you know, because mm-hmm. I was still in it. I know some of her pages got leaked and that was really shitty. And now she's releasing the book on her own terms, which I think is great. Yeah, I was, I was happy for her with that. That she's like following through with it. Yeah, I just, It's not like a standalone book. Like you would have to read at least Twilight before reading this. And I think it does give some good perspective that we didn't get in the original book, but it's also kind of a tough read. It's a tough listen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We started out with actual books trying to read it and it got to a certain point and we had to switch to audiobook because it was just it was a no so I do want to give a shout out to Jake Abel who is the narrator for the audiobook we listened to and you know considering the material he had to work with he did all right I mean he really put a lot of feeling into whenever Edward would grab be like no (laughs) or you know when he's in in the character of Jessica. Oh my god, he's so hot. <laughs> oh, it made me so uncomfortable. Even like with Bella, like, oh, I don't know. Blah blah blah. You know, like he just I don't know. I feel like he impersonated each character pretty well. Yeah, he he definitely had the vibes down. With what the tools he was given. So ironic to me that. I went audiobook for this because typically I don't care that much for audiobooks. Weird. I listen to tons of podcasts, no problem, but I don't know. I guess I just prefer the voices in my head as opposed to actual narrators. But this, no, this is pretty good. This is, he did well. Good job, Jake Absolutely. Abel. Thumbs up. <laughs> All right. What <laughs> was your favorite part? <clears throat> the end (laughs) just kidding I really liked the baseball scene because you know obviously it was really cool in the first book and then also it was really translated well like in the movie um but I liked how we got to see more of the inner workings of Edward and his family and how they interacted with each other and kind of just getting that family dynamic uh, perspective that we didn't get before Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool How about you? Oddly enough, I also put when it was over. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, all right, all right. We're kidding. We're kidding. Uh, There's this scene in the very beginning where it's Edward just having, you know, his usual internal rant about 
how dare this human tempt him so blah 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 who does she think she is that bitch (laughs) and then i was about to lose my shit because this is fucking this is ridiculous but then the next page he he states oh okay well you know what my reaction to her is not her fault it's on me in so many words i'm paraphrasing here but essentially the scene goes down like that and i i loved it that's a thing nowadays apparently uh somehow a man's reaction to a woman existing is all on her yeah bullshit yeah i i really like that part and i think this book did a really good job of giving us a different side of bella i Mm -hmm. feel like she was a little more likable in this book she's definitely more funky and like I don't I haven't read Twilight probably since like high school or early college so I just feel like we're seeing more of her standing up for herself in this book yeah you know not because Edward is very old-fashioned and is kind of controlling and she doesn't put up with it even though she likes him that was something I really liked but my favorite theme would have to be when Emmett and Edward set Angela and Ben up that was super that was cute. So cute I loved it well and I think it shows some at growth with Edward since kind of forming a relationship with Bella because when we first meet him he just has so much disdain for humans yeah we're all trash yeah we're trash oh we're so <laughs> gross and uninteresting Ugh. Because of his relationship with Bella, I feel like she's rubbing off on him a little bit because now he's caring about her friends and kind of having a soft spot for some some humans. And it was just kind of like a sweet moment that he did that. Yeah, I liked Angela a lot. And even even he states that he wishes he could view Bella more through Angela's headspace as opposed to Jessica. Jessica and Mike, man, like, I dislike them so much more in this book than the first one. Speaking of, get into the least favorite parts here. All right. (laughs) Uh, What was your least favorite part? Uh, The meadow. I kind of blacked out. I feel like this chapter was longer than it should have been. You want to know how long it was? Tell me. It was roughly an hour and 46 motherfucking minutes just for Edward to throw a fucking tantrum and show off his sparkly ass and rip trees out from the ground and do some math in his head and some some bird spotting those trees didn't do anything right to him and he just ripped them up out of the ground and yeah the whole thing with him like doing calculations and stuff it's like God, really come on mm-hmm. no I know like it's you know some things it's kind of nice to get his perspective on like we learn more about his struggle of how hard it is for him to be around Bella without killing her or whatever but this moment before was like such a sweet and tender thing of her really getting to see the real him and little does she know that he's doing math equations like this whole time (laughs) like what? I was struggling. There was absolutely no... I know the meadow scene is huge in Twilight. We did not need an hour and 46 minutes of Edward being a drama queen uh, in the meadow. Like, no. No, thank you. So we got it. 
we, we got it. We sure did. <laughs> That's right. What would you say your least favorite part was? Might come off a little spicy, but Rosalie was done so dirty. I'm so disappointed that she was made out to be the shallow bitch. Yeah, they made her seem very vapid. Yeah, they made her very vapid and shallow, but her creation story was so badass. She took vengeance on her murderers, killed them all. Totally badass. Major opportunity for the next YA feminist icon. And then they just bit all over it. It just really felt as if, oh, well... All the other Collins like her, except for Jasper and his weird shit, but you know, he'll get over it. But we need someone to be a hater. Let's pick Rosalie. She's pretty. Let's let's just make her really shallow and bitchy. And the whole reason she doesn't like Bella is because Edward finds her attractive when he didn't find her attractive, even though their whole relationship has been platonic the entire time. And she has a significant other in Emmett. What the fuck? Yeah, because when... Rosalie and Edward first met it just seemed there was you know there was no connection like they were kind of just yeah like family yeah siblings right from the bat exactly Edward himself like why would you want your sibling to find you attractive yeah and like Edward found Bella really kind of homely and sickly looking in the beginning before he really he was talking mad shit oh my god she's her translucent skin like this girl needs to eat a some iron or something get some color in her cheeks because according to Edward she looks ill and I think that bothered (laughs) Rosalie that he ended up finding Bella more attractive than her and it it also does kind of suck that all the rest of them have these pretty cool gifts oh yeah and hers is just that she's beautiful right that's it that's it what such a just such a huge missed opportunity for Rosalie to just be a total bamp and we should start a petition if Stephanie Meyer is going to be doing all these rewrites prequels companion novels let's fix let's redeem Rosalie let's fix things for her because this was trash I did not like it even in the original book yeah like she throughout all the other books like she was such a a jerk to Bella we kind of understand why later it's like Bella has this opportunity to choose her path Rosalie didn't get that you know Bella has a baby Rosalie was cheated out of being able to have a baby and like Bella empathizes with her whereas Edward's just like well she's just a bitch and it's like no but I feel like this book kind of undid all of that depth to her you know what you're right. I forgot because the first series, you're right. It did make sense because Rosalie was upset. She didn't, obviously she didn't get a choice. She probably, I, she dreamed of having kids in her human life. And obviously she can't have that anymore. I know that's really important to some people. So that was probably devastating. And here this sickly bitch comes along (laughs) and just snatches up your bro and is about to be your new sister-in-law. And now she's got a baby and she's a vampire that made sense you're right but all of that was undone and unraveled in this book because it just made it oh she's she's just mad because Edward thinks Bella's prettier 
Yeah. How dare him? Like he chose. That's so stupid. Yeah. Like her, her whole disdain for Bella is because Edward picked her over Rosalie. And it's like, no, Rosalie is kind of like a more complicated character, but we never really get to see that because Edward's always just painting her as a vapid bitch. Pretty much. Yeah. I know this is, this might be a nitpicky thing, but it just, it, it, it was irritating. Well, because she had potential but she had so much potential and then a huge dump yeah. was taken on it so speaking of get into the what the fuck moment where'd that happen for you so i knew in the original book that in twilight that he watched her sleep but in this one we <laughs> find out that he was doing it quite a bit before her knowledge without her consent and i know Part of it is that he has this need to keep her protected, you know, not that she hasn't made it her whole life uh, without him so far, including taking care of her mother. And I know also, like, I'm sure he's doing it to get used to her scent and like being around her without trying to kill her. But it just seems like he developed this unhealthy habit of watching her sleep like really creepily and he knew it. And he would like find ways to justify it. And even his family kind of encouraged it a little bit. It seemed like, oh, are you, you know, now that you did this, are you going to go to Bella and watch her sleep? And it's like, don't encourage that behavior. It's creepy. I could understand once the James situation popped up. That makes sense because it actually is for her protection. That makes sense. And she was aware in in Charlie's. Yes. It was for both of their protection and she was actually aware of it at that point. All of that before, that was just fucking weird, dude. Like I don't find it romantic some dude just vamp or not just hanging out in my room watching me sleep. What if I snore? What if I drool on myself? What if I fart? What if I'm wearing a shirt that I spilled spaghetti on? Yeah, like what if I fart in my sleep? Like, I don't want, I don't want some guy knowing that before I even realize like there's any type of romantic connection between us. He already knows way too much. No, no, no. (laughs) See, that was kind of like a a what the fuck moment for me. Like, God, he's really gonna just keep watching her sleep. Not, not sweet. It's kind of weird. And then just goes on to describe the entire layout of her bedroom which makes sense in in the it makes sense in that he literally doesn't sleep so he has to somehow entertain himself but bring a book bring a book to read don't just map out her entire room in your head and oh her books are turned around I wonder what the titles are go bring your own book it's a bit stalkery especially after he like fixed the wasn't like the window uh, creaky or something. Yeah. And he like brought something to fix it so it wouldn't make noise. <laughs> he was going all out to keep this little escapade going. He's creeping hard. All right. So is your uh, what the fuck moment. Again, the meadow scene. <laughs> An hour and 46 minutes. I, oh. Oh, I felt, I just felt myself aging listening to that. It just, basically the meadow scene broken down is them driving to the meadow. She's all pumped because she's going to see, you know, what he looks like in the sun, big secret. Okay. They get there, they hike, which he did not tell her there was a hike. 
what if she was wearing the wrong shoes yeah that that's pertinent information especially for like a first well, I guess they already had a first date eh. at the Italian dinner place or whatever but this is like their first vampire human interaction date and I mean she could have been wearing like a you know a dress or something listen here I don't care what number date it is if there's some type of physical activity like hiking or I should say outdoor activity like hiking or anything like that your ass better tell me ahead of time because what if I show up in sandals and I get blistered I'm gonna be pissed so that was some trash yeah it the whole time he's just all gonna gonna show her I'm a monster also how many times was the word monster said in this book good god more than Lady Gaga's monster song accurate (laughs) (laughs) I mean the whole time he's thinking oh yeah she's gonna realize I'm a monster I'm gonna I'm gonna scare her I'll show her okay and then proceeds to throw a tantrum once they finally make it to the meadow don't you want her to like you I don't understand he's so stupid the whole time he obviously can't stay away and then he decides he's gonna be selfish uh so this you know this is a little early on but one of the main what the fucks of this entire book and it was the same thing in twilight for me as well homeboy is all oh gotta stay away i'm a monster i'm a monster don't look at me i'm hideous i need to stay away so i don't hurt you and then switches it up to okay i'm just gonna be selfish let's do the damn thing only to dip out anyway in the fucking end Yep. Oh my gosh. So annoying. What a, that is true fuckboy behavior. That's some real fuckboy shit. Disappointed in you, yeah. Edward. You know better. Speaking of Edward, let's talk about red flags. Oh man. So many. His behavior is highly problematic. And I know it's, you know, he's like 90 or whatever. So he's very like old fashioned, but him like insisting on being her protector and like looking out for her even without her consent is kind of fucked up Mm -hmm. like watching her sleep and you know just oh well she can't handle this so I'm gonna have to you know take care of her and it's like she's she's gone this far she's doing all right and then like the whole thing that you were saying he kept calling himself a monster and not understanding why Bella liked him he even went as far to say like what's wrong with her don't you like her like she she knows what you are she wants to be with you she's accepting the risk he talks about her being an old soul and that she's like very intelligent yet undermines her by saying like well she there must be something wrong with her in the head because she wants to be with me he just has so much self-loathing it's I think that's the hardest part to get past while reading or listening to this book he genuinely hates himself so much and that's just not it's not a fun time not a good time you know you just kind of want him to it just seems like he's never actually really come to terms and accepted himself 
for who he is. Right. And then like he his family's fine. He's fine with his whole family of vampires, but for some reason he thinks he's an absolute monster and da da da. No, dude. Well, and like I know Rosalie never really came to terms with her being a, a vampire. And I think Jasper like has some hang-ups about it, but they it seems like the rest of them kind of find ways to cope. Doesn't Rosalie work on cars in the garage or something? And and like Emmett, you know, goes to hunt like these ridiculous animals. Like they all find like little purposes in their existence. Carlisle is a doctor, you know, he's helping people and Edward's not even trying. No, he's just, he's just sitting around being a salty bitch. It's like, he could be like, he plays piano and he composes music. And I think um, Esme even said something like, oh, it's been a while since like you played or whatever. And it's like, he could be composing like beautiful music, uh, but he'd rather just be miserable. (laughs) Esme even has a purpose. She's their mom. Yeah. She looks out for all of them. Everything's fine. Did you, did you, did it fall again? No, I, Stevie keeps putting her little paw under the, <laughs> the closet door. Oh God. Like, let me in. But then every time I open the door, she runs away. So I'm trying to let her in so she can come like cozy up on my lap. But I think she's just fucking with me so she can sit outside. Bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. She's such a My cat's just obnoxiously snoring in the window seat. It's fine. Well, that's adorable. Um, where were we off on this tangent we're talking about esme yeah it just they they all are coming to terms or have come to terms with what they are and they're trying to make the best of it and edward just wants to sit around and be a salty bitch yeah the biggest red flag for me is just how edward so just casually brings up murdering her all the time to her face and she's just okay cool awesome like what bitch run away he's talking about murdering you if that's not a red flag i don't know what is like i could crush you hey and she's like okay hey cool (laughs) you know it was funny um kind of like on the murdery part there's a, a podcast i listen to they cover current current things going on like uh WandaVision and Mandalorian like uh, different things that come out it's called a bite of pod and they did um some episodes on Midnight Sun and one of them one of them brought up yeah you know Edward had a really hard time like trying not to kill that Lanny guy because you know it like could bring attention like back to the family and everything and then like you know it wouldn't be justice it would be revenge like in the beginning of the book he had no problem like planning out how he was gonna murder all of the all of her classmates so he could like drink her blood yeah just casual casual things like Lanny probably you know he was a a shitty person like you're gonna spare him but kill a bunch of uh teenagers for a good drink wait Lanny the guy who was in the alleyway when she was in Seattle oh that douche yeah. canoe. Okay. Rapist. Rapey McRaperton. Okay. Like, gotcha. The, the way that Edward like justifies certain, <laughs> certain things is kind of like a red flag. <laughs> he just wants to be a salty little brat. I swear. 
that's his niche that's where he likes to likes to stew it's weird because isn't he yeah he was the first made child of carlisle so he's supposed to be the oldest (laughs) he's he was the first maid so he's the eldest sibling in this vampire family but he somehow has managed to be the most whiny immature obnoxious little bitch in the whole family. I can't it's, oh I wonder what the others are thinking I wish we could I wish he would read their minds on what they actually think of him they're probably just here we go <laughs> here we he's starting his shit again here we go all right let me go let me go like have a seat or something this is gonna take a while <laughs> he's off on a tangent talking about murdering Bella again here we go why won't he just turn her into a vampire well he was so hell-bent like when Alice was like oh there's a couple ways that this could go you know 80 percent you're gonna kill her 20 percent she's gonna live or whenever she was having those divisions about what like Bella's fate and um mm-hmm. the the visions where like Bella's a vampire he would just get so upset and it's well there's only so many possibilities I mean she's not gonna live forever and she's not gonna stay young forever and you don't want to kill her it's like he's not even taking her Bella's choice into account. He's just, no, she's going to stay exactly how she is. She's not going to be a vampire. She isn't going to stay in this. Exactly. Also, how irritated must his whole, whole Colin clan been? Because literally, especially after the, the James issue, all he had to do was turn Bella into a vampire. She would no longer be a target. They'd leave, you know, obviously hang out, watch Charlie for a bit, make sure he's good. And then they could just move on happily ever after in their vampire states. Altogether, the family would have been safe. No one would have been at risk. And you're right. Alice, she's just straight up. Alice sees the future. She is telling him throughout the book yeah, it's going to be my vampire sister-in-law. Awesome. And he refuses to listen. And he doesn't want Alice to be friends with Bella. Yeah, that too. He's he's constantly pissed off that Alice is actually trying to be nice to Bella out of all the people in his family. What most of them are indifferent. Some want to kill her. Others hater in general and then alice is the one family member that is actually accepting of her and he's just no don't don't talk to her no no go away she's mine she's mine petty bitch but alice literally sees the future she tells him yo this is this is probably how it's going to go down and then he responds with absolutely not well and alice can see that she's stable obviously it's not like bella turns into a vampire and like she sees her going on a rampage she's like oh i see bella with topaz eyes and she's standing next to you and y'all look happy yeah exactly what's wrong with that no i he has control issues oh 100 percent. well what really pissed me off is so he know he doesn't want Bella to be a vampire. He's not listening to Alice. 
even towards the end of the book, he's like, well, I guess we could do this for a little bit and then I'll just disappear. It's what's best for her. And it's like, why don't you fucking talk to her and see what she wants? Yeah. Like, you're really going to go through the trouble of, not trouble, but obviously it's trouble for him. He has to put in a lot of effort to not kill her, to have a relationship, to then be like, it's better for me to just leave. And that way, you know, I can spare us both the trauma of not, you know, growing old and me still being a vampire and her not turning. And then like, we all know how that plays out. Yeah. He's wrong. Obviously. You know, she ends up, yeah, she tries to be a daredevil just so she could have visions of him because he doesn't know what's best for her. I forgot just how severely lacking Bella's self-preservation was in Twilight. <laughs> so yeah. especially New Moon. Good lord. I totally forgot about that. And then reading this, it clicked and I was just Ooh, yeah no and I try to put myself back into like my teenage mindset like you know when you're head over heels this person is your moon sun and stars and you would do anything uh because we didn't know better back then but because we know better now as women in our 30s it's like oh honey Mm-mm. him saying he can't let her go is selfish that's not necessarily the selfish part the selfish part is that he thinks he can make decisions for her, like having an entire ass relationship and then ghosting her for her benefit. What? No. Yeah. That's the mansplaining shit if I've ever seen it. <laughs> I can't with Edward. I think I think back to us at 16, we would go to all the book parties and everything. And obviously we were team Edward. We made shirts and all because fuck Jacob. <laughs> and then listen, now in our thirties, essentially going back to Twilight, just from Edward's point of view, it's just, what was wrong with us? What were we thinking? Oh yeah. I used to think, oh my God, it's so romantic. He's like watching over her. And now it's like, um, she needs to file a restraining order. That behavior is not okay. Um, she needs to move and change her name. Yeah, she... But yet, no. Watching someone sleep without them knowing about it, that's just rude. First of all, it's rude. Second of all, probably some of the creepiest shit ever. So <laughs> it's really not romantic. It's gross well and just the way he imposes her himself in her life when she was in the hospital and even the nurses were like why is this kid still in here she needs to rest and he's just pretending to be asleep in the corner I mean she probably wants him there but I don't know it just it's kind of annoying and rude. Her family should be there with her. And I don't like that Carlisle told her dad not to come. He's got it under control. And it's like, okay, just because you're a doctor doesn't mean she doesn't need her someone yeah. there. She needs family there. I just thought that was kind of weird. And that didn't, I'm just honestly kind of surprised that that didn't put off any red flags for Charlie. Her mom was on to his shit though. Oh yeah. I like, I like, uh what's her name Renee Renee 
Renee was on to his ass. I just keep thinking like Renee's May. Like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't talk about Renesmee. We're not, we're not doing that. You don't nope. want to talk about how Jacob bonded with Bella's uterus? God. Yeah, no, mm, no, but wait, weren't we talking before and the whole, because suppose I don't, don't quote me on this because I don't know a hundred percent. Um, Stephanie Meyer might be, is she Mormon or something? I believe so. Because I remember this back in the day, it came up with, you know, when she and Edward ended up boning and then obviously sex before marriage, pregnant consequences. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And that happened. And then the whole thing with Jacob and Renesmee, was it you or someone else that told me apparently that's something Mormon-esque as well? I think they arrange their marriages and stuff, but I guess they decide maybe from an early age or something. Oh, I don't know. Someone maybe told that was me. someone else. Yeah, some I don't know who, but someone told me that. It might have been Lisa. I might have talked to Lisa about this. But yeah, apparently that that might be something that's kind of related to that in a way. And that's that's gross, man. But yeah, fuck Jacob. I still say fuck Jacob. Fuck fuck them all. They all suck. They all suck ass. Angela and Ben for the win. Let's get a book about Angela and Ben. Yeah. It'll be happy. It'll be fluffy. It'll be great. Oh, you know what? Speaking of the other human characters, let's roll it back to our least favorites. Mike Newton sucks so many bags of dicks. I hated him in Twilight. And I hated him even more. I did not think it was possible to hate him more, but I do in Midnight Sun. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I remember like, God, I know I didn't like him, like sucks, but hearing his thoughts and like just thinking yeah. that he, he's also kind of possessive and like creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, it's just the way he thinks that like, why does she like Bell? Why is she like Edward and not me? And it's like she doesn't fucking owe you anything, just because she's nice to you. Yeah. First of all, what you said, she doesn't know. She doesn't know you shit just because she's a decent person and is nice to you. Second of all, ugh, why? Why does she like Edward? Because he probably looks like a whole ass man. <laughs> you're in pu. You're you're going through puberty. He he's been there, done that. So, but no, he oh. He treated Jessica like shit. I actually, now Jessica's a bitch, but she didn't deserve all that shit from Mike either. She was his second choice and she was just so happy to like pick up any crumbs left over. It was just, oh, it was sad. Yeah, but he, um, he's kind of a dirt bag. He really is. And then it was weird. All the other guys, all of a sudden they're like, staging traffic jams and shit to try to ask her to a dance i i thought she was sickly looking what's uh going on here yeah she's she's just new no edward actually talks about that in some of the the very beginning of the book like oh a shiny new object they're all obsessed with it's like yeah bitch well and i mean you know bella's definitely not my favorite character and while i do mm-hmm. like her more in this book she's still and I guess that's kind of the whole thing is she's supposed to be like average girl you know kind of 
someone that any one of us could relate to in some way, you know, and then this like God, God-like boy picks her to have a romance with, but she's just so boring. Yeah. She's not, her favorite color is brown. She, whenever they're doing the Q and A of like, you know, let's, let's play 50 questions. And like, they're just going like spending days talking to each other, like fine, you know, and like with any relationship, you just stay up all night talking, learning about each other. But the questions that he was asking her, she's kind of, kind of plain. I don't know. Yeah. You know, all right, let's, I mean, technically we're off topic, but not really, because we're still talking about the book. It counts. It counts. Is there something to be learned from this book that applies to daily life? Yeah. It is important to have boundaries in a relationship. That's a good one. Bella, you know, some of her friends are trash, but Angela and Ben are great. Mm -hmm. She should hang out with them. And Edward should let Alice hang out with Bella if they want to be friends let them be friends Edward doesn't need to be watching her sleep he doesn't need to be sitting in her hospital room 24 hours a day they can be with each other and be without each other and have a healthy relationship mm-hmm. which is easy to say as an adult you know yeah. again, when you're a teenager you're just so obsessed with the person and even Charlie and Carlisle like oh kids are kids when they're in love blah 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 you can't stop them like yeah to a certain extent but... Charlie's not into it no. he's not into it and Renee really isn't either which I actually I actually like that bit about it it's realistic yeah he's being sketchy as fuck well because Charlie was like oh well they had a big fight and she left you know what that was about oh they're just passionate kids and it's like no it's not yeah she, behavior. she tripped through a glass window it's fine it's fine and Edward just happened to be there. Well, and Charlie's like, well, maybe Bella should, you know, stay stay home or go to study group with her friends more, balance out her time with that, Edward. You know what? That is actually a lesson, I think. You need your friends. You need good friends. Because I actually felt bad for Bella. She didn't. She didn't really have, you know, she's new. Jessica kind of sucks. Mike's gross. Any dude is after her in a romantic way, except for Ben, probably, because Ben's into Angela. But Angela is one of the only genuinely nice people that is a decent friend to Bella, human-wise, that's a decent friend to Bella. It just seems everyone else wants something from her. Right. Or they low-key are jealous of her and dislike her internally, which is trash. Maybe things would have been different if she had had a true, like a genuine friend, that, like a true bestie that she could have talked to, but she didn't have anybody. So she was very isolated and that, I don't know, that kind of sucks. Well, yeah, because then when her and Edward started being together, like they would eat lunch together. She stopped hanging out with her friends and then like in the next book whenever he went away I mean she that's when her relationship with well I don't want to say relationship but her friendship with Jacob really blossomed they started spending time but then again it's like you're saying he still wanted something from her 
yeah the whole time he wanted to date her so it wasn't it was really creepy honestly i don't like that shit when guys are just lying and wait they're pretending to be your friend but really the whole time they're like like if i just keep being nice she'll fall in love with me eventually if i just keep being nice to her she will eventually fall on my penis i think that it's yeah, fucking weird but yeah. then it turns out her future child will eventually end up falling on his penis so that that's, that's just so a whole <laughs> that's just a well, it's funny because I remember I was weird reading about it, but then seeing it in the movie, this little girl standing next to Jacob, like, all right, seeing it's a lot weirder. And they just try to make it like, oh, he'll be whatever she needs throughout her life. And it's like, okay, so what? She turns 18 and she needs the D and that's when it gets romantic. So essentially what he raises her as a child and then he sleeps with her later. Well, then it's almost like grooming at that point. It is. It really is. It's super gross. Grooming his perfect Bella substitute. All right, I'm getting creeped out. (laughs) 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 So what would you, what is something, a lesson that you say could be learned? Well, other than make some decent friends, don't date anyone that casually talks about killing people, most especially you. (laughs) what the fuck oh i'm gonna i'm gonna that's that's a big one (laughs) what what i can't i'm surprised i can't remember any of the actual dialogue from the meadow since it went on for half my life but you know just ripping out trees like oh i could crush you in a moment blah 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 and she's just kind of like ooh, no 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 this this is not like I could crush you oh he's so strong no no girl not not in a good way that's not what this means it's not in a good way (laughs) let's get to some spicy snippets some hot takes so I wrote down don't date a 90 year old angsty teenage vampire absolutely don't do it just don't it's not it's not good Mm -mm. it's only gonna make things more complicated oh you know what another lesson the dick will ruin your life and if this isn't a perfect example i don't know what is (laughs) this whole book is a perfect example of the dick just ruining bella's life don't girl don't do it don't do it it's not worth it okay all right so spicy that's your spicy snippet did you have another one just the one this whole thing has been pretty one giant extended spicy ass snippet <laughs> i mean pretty much yeah yeah no i mean because we're, we're kind of discussing the book like as we're going through um because there's like a lot of repetitive themes mostly his poor behavior yeah his shit ass behavior um i'm gonna go with my most like some of the more enjoyable scenes maybe not my favorite parts but enjoyable parts nonetheless anytime they were talking about any other Cullen other than Edward (laughs) no it was really interesting they all had really interesting backstories their relationships were I feel like the relationships between the Cullen couples was much more healthy than the relationship between Bella and Edward yeah we got a little more of their backstories too that was great maybe we 
could cut the book in half, just get rid of half of Edward's inner drama and just add in more about the Cullens. This was a really big book. It was needlessly long. It really did not have to be that long. I don't know if it's bigger than the other ones. I mean, I do like when Bella's sitting in class and Edward comes and sits next to her and he looks like she smells like rotten meat and runs away and ignores her. And then all of a sudden is just like, well, now he's talking to me. So whatever that means, we kind of get more insight to his inner struggle. But I think it would have been a little more bearable if he just stopped hating himself so much. Let this girl like you. For you. Yeah, for you. She's Don't say that there's something wrong with her, like wrong with you. Which was really shitty because she was being 100% accepting of him and just telling him, yes, I like you for you. You're awesome. His response. There's obviously something wrong with this weird human girl. Okay, well then why do you like her so much? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. He he just seems to think he knows it's best for her, even at the end when she mm-hmm. clearly physically does not want to go to prom. And he's mm-hmm. taking her like, you're going to miss out on this. I didn't like that. But is she? Yeah. Like, she's very physically upset that you're taking her to do this thing that she does not want to do but you think it's in her best interest because she could regret not going one day, but that's her choice. Yeah, Bella essentially didn't have, she wasn't allowed to make choices for herself at all this entire book. Even her siblings are like, yo, bro, what's the, you need to like chill. Okay, time for the speed round. Are you ready? Let me, I'm not ready. I need another drink. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. Oh, lush over here. Yeah. There's nothing like a nice day drink. Okay. Speed round. Who would you want to be besties with and why? Renee. She seems really down to earth and sees uh, the fun and thing. I know like it's a little stressful for Bella because she's kind of an adult child, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of admire her, you know, adventurous uh, outlook on life, which I think has really shaped Bella's um, downplayed view on life because mm-hmm. like Bella wants to be a teacher because it's like a safe responsible option it's not something that she's passionate about I guess because she's seen her mom go off and like do things that may or may not have worked out well but I think overall she's a fun still caring person who do you want to throat punch and why Uh, Mike and Jessica they're terrible friends all right who would you want on your side in a fight and why Alice because she can see what's coming and I think that's a huge advantage to have as we've seen yeah you know Edward reading her mind as the future is developing yeah good choice who would you cast for these characters characters being Bella and Edward uh I feel kind of lame because I couldn't really come up with anyone I don't know uh Part of me is thinking like for if it were to be filmed now, because I don't know, reading this with uh, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart as the lead characters, I could still see that. I feel like that was a pretty good casting choice. (laughs) I remember back in the day, I was so upset with the casting choice. I don't, Kristen Stewart was okay. She was fine. It was just the Edward choice, but it worked out. 
Yeah. And I really like Timothy Chalamet. He's got very like strong structured, like angled, almost like chiseled features, which I think for Edward being stone like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that I would like work that. out. Um and I don't I don't know who for who had I picked for Bella because I don't know. All I can see is Kristen Stewart. That's fair. Uh, yeah. All right. Are you ready for your speed round? Oh. All right, go. <laughs> Who would you want to be besties with and why? Alice. Obviously, she's fun and she would have my back at all times because she can totally see what's going to happen. Exactly. Or alternate option, Angela, because she is probably the one 100% wholesome and genuinely nice character in the whole book oh yeah for sure well because even when they were going out to eat and they lost Bella for a little bit Angela was like oh should we wait and Jessica's like she'll be fine Jessica she'll catch up or she could be dead it's fine but okay it's fine just keep eating just order your pasta who do you want to throat punch and why our boy Edward <laughs> shut <laughs> up go to therapy be you know what what you're 90 years old go to fucking therapy deal with your shit i'm sure there are vampire therapists he can go to he needs to deal with his shit and stop projecting it on everyone else and making them insanely miserable including us the readers therapy is a wonderful thing yeah just go to go to therapy dude get your shit together uh who would you want on your side in a fight and why i'm gonna go with rosalie on this one because I feel like she's got a lot of rage that's useful in a fight. Yeah, she could probably get down and scrappy about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Rosalie. All right. And uh, who would you cast for Edward and Bella? Like you said, it is, it was really hard to try to picture anyone else other than Rob Pattinson and Kristen Stewart in these roles. But it was interesting because... I remember Stephanie Meyer used to post her Dreamcast on her website. And I want to say the original actors she wanted for Edward and Bella were Henry Cavill and Emily Browning. Oh, yeah. From Series of Unfortunate Events. And Henry Cavill, everyone knows Henry Cavill. Yeah. He makes a good Witcher. Dude, I love him as the Witcher. Okay, listen, Henry Cavill. Don't be trying to get any other jobs that are going to interfere with The Witcher, okay? You need, you just need to need to stay stay locked in that role, all right? Perfect. Ben and I will randomly play the song from that. <laughs> that's the kind to your Witcher. Like, full blast. <laughs> like, that song slaps. So good. Absolute bop. Um, I feel like at that point in time, Emily Browning was very popular. Yeah. That would have been a really good choice. I would have really liked Emily Browning. Henry Cavill, no. I'm not saying he's ugly. Obviously, we all know he's not. It's He just, he has a mature face, if that makes sense. He just looks, even back then when he was younger, he looked older. Yeah, it's like he, it would be really hard for him to pass off as like a 17-year-old yeah no it just no I think she was really going for the pretty factor yeah I could see that he's pretty he's pretty chiseled so that that makes sense in a way but I that would have been 
kind of weird, especially like him and Emily Browning. Well, because Emily Browning did really have a youthful look to her. She's got a baby face. She looks so young. That would have been so weird. Well, because there are certain actors that like are stuck in a teenage role forever. Ugh. Vampire Diaries. Just think of all them. Oh my God. Yeah. God, there's a few of them. Baby faces. It's a curse and a blessing. It is. Especially if you're in acting. Yeah, she had, so I want to say some runners up, I think, that a lot of people had wanted back in the day. Uh, Ben Barnes, which I would not have complained about that one. And if you don't know who Ben Barnes is, mm, he's in a lot of stuff. The most recent thing I watched him in was Westworld. He's the jackass. He's the jackass guy from Westworld. I feel like some people will know exactly. Yep. I was like, who? Oh, that You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, he would have been a pretty good choice. And then um, for Bella, Lily Collins was brought up a lot. I feel like Lily Collins can just play anything. Yeah, she's, she's pretty great. I like her. So that's the back in the day interesting tidbits that I thought I'd share if we were going to cast them today which is kind of weird because I'm in my 30s now so it's like ew, let me let me look up some hot young men yeah and it's just like oh you look like a baby how cute <laughs> for Edward what about KJ Appa Archie from Riverdale oh uh, yeah I could see that well, he, he's, he's cut. He's super beefy. And he pulls off the red hair. Yeah. He's already, he's already got the red hair dyed for, to be Archie. So he could just skip on over to the twilight set or the, excuse me, midnight sunset right after that. <laughs> I, the only thing with him, because essentially if you're going to play Edward, you're going to have to act like you're constipated or holding in a big fart the entire time, pretty much. So I just don't know. I mean, I guess he has the angst. I ha- I'm not fully caught up on Riverdale, so... Well, I think he would have to do a lot of face acting, like brooding looks and pain. I think he could do it. I think so. I think he'd be good. I, I just finished season four of Riverdale, and uh, I think he could pull it off. Good, all right. All right, yeah, we're going with KJ Appa. And then for Bella... I haven't seen her in anything recently, but she's part of the Taylor. She was part of the Taylor squad. Haley Steinfield. Oh, yeah. She had she had a couple singles come out that were pretty good, if not awkward, because she was really young. They're very sexual. Other than that, there's this one movie I saw her in that was hilarious. I think it was called The Edge of 17. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It was really good. Now, she she's kind of tan in real life, so, you know, they're going to have to put the <laughs> the pancake, the mime makeup on her, you know, to be so translucent and sickly looking like Bella. But I think she'd be a cool choice. And I think she and KJ Appa fit. Yeah. They they would look good together. I think. Yeah. So that's that's who I would cast if it were if we were casting Twilight slash Midnight Sun today. So that's what we think of Midnight Sun. And this being pre-recorded in the first episode I obviously don't have any listeners yet so I went around to some of the Facebook groups I'm in and there were a few people that were very nice and willing to 
give me some feedback on Midnight Sun. And I really appreciate that. From the first Facebook group, it's called You Still Read YA, Call Your Dad. Nice. We had Courtney. I liked Midnight Sun because it made some of the, wait, what? Parts of Twilight clear. Like, oh, we just love each other now. Reading Edward's Diary doesn't make him seem like less of a controlling old guy dating a teenage girl, though. (laughs) Still would recommend, LOL. (laughs) We've got April. It was somehow better written and way more boring than Twilight. I miss naive and poorly edited but funny Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) Hannah. I liked seeing more of the Cullens, but I hated seeing more of Edward. I don't know if it's just because I'm older now with more romantic experience or if seeing it from Edward's point of view actually made it more of a nightmare, but holy shit. I spent most of the book pleading with Bella to get the fuck away from him because he was so damn toxic. (laughs) She's not wrong. Jennifer, you mean that book I waited 12 years for? Yeah, I still haven't finished the first chapter. (laughs) Brutal. And Shannon actually, she posted her review that she had made for it. She gave it two stars. (laughs) All right, y'all. Morbid Curiosity brought me here to a 26-hour audiobook. Shit, I didn't know it was that long. Damn, no wonder. Some helpful hints. It's a lot easier if you treat Edward as a true crime specimen. Yeah, well, he I is, can agree with that. He's kind of the Dexter of vampires, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Be prepared to laugh out loud at points. Be aware that this is essentially two books, a Twilight retelling from his point of view and an anthology of short stories from the yesteryears of the Twilight universe. It's true. We did, we did get kind of a lot of, a lot of flashbacks, I feel. Yeah. Which I found more. More insight. Yeah. I found more interesting than the, you know, their relationship and whatnot. Yeah. Jody, this is a little different than what you asked for. But I had no intentions of reading Midnight Sun until my sister sent me the dedication. I was so touched by it that I bought the book. It reminded me of 13-year-old me reading the series for the first time before the movies came out and it blew up. So I actually have, let me pull up the dedication here. This book is dedicated to all the readers who have been such a happy part of my life for the last 15 years. When we first met, many of you were young teenagers with bright, beautiful eyes full of dreams for the future. I hope that in the years that have passed, you've all found your dreams and that the reality of them was even better than you'd hoped. That's nice. Yeah. Because if we're being honest, this book is for the original fans of Twilight because it's it's a retelling from a different point of view. It's not like new, fresh material right some of it is but most of it is just a retelling and that did I felt really bad when they leaked when they leaked her manuscript can you imagine putting all that work into it and then someone just throws it up on the internet I have to give her props because to go through the same story and like remember the dialogue for what was said when but from his point of view like there must have been so much references between Twilight yeah to create this book you know because some of the conversations they have it's like well I don't remember this I don't you know I would have to cross reference to see oh is this what she said in the first book is this how this went down because 
I don't really remember the first book. And she must have had to like double check everything so that this story lined up paired with the first story. It's not an easy thing to do. That just, I felt, I remember feeling really bad and I just, I refused to read it because it was pretty messed up. But I'm glad that she actually, I'm sure she's tweaked it over the years. I'm sure it, it, I don't think it would be the same exact manuscript. She probably switched it up a bit, but I'm glad that she was finally able to release it on her own terms. Yeah, I think that was really important. That was, that was super important to her. That's, oh, that's so shitty. Don't do stuff like that. Be better. Now let's get the host book out. Listen, I'm going to get mad. Stephanie, when's the host sequel coming out? Are we going to wait another 10 years? Am I going to be like 40? What are we, what are we doing? Let's see what's going on with that. (laughs) Back to some other feedback. We've got Haley. All I'm going to say is I will riot the next time a dude tells me that women talk too much. <laughs> Midnight Sun was uh, was 200 extra pages of Ed Boy having an existential crisis over Bella blow drying her hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And I don't want them all. They're not, I don't want to do all negative ones. So I actually, I did have a positive one. And um, this is from another group, Two Girls, One Ghost Facebook group. By the way, Two Girls, One Ghost awesome podcast. Check it out if you like spooky things. Uh, So Rachel said, I really liked it. There were a few points where I pulled out my copy of Twilight straight from my middle school days and compared it to Midnight Sun. You get a better idea of who Bella is as a person and it makes her a more relatable character. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we yeah, we were talking about this earlier. And just like you said, Midnight Sun, you could literally probably pull out Twilight and put them side by side and compare and link up each scene. Yeah. And I've got two more from the Murderino Paranormal Society group. I've got Amanda. I listened to it on Audible and thought, dang, he tries to justify everything in a way that makes him sound like Joe Goldberg from you. (laughs) Then for the rest of the experience, I imagine Joe Goldberg is Edward. <laughs> you know? Damn, she's right. He could. He could be an Edward. Oh, he's an oh, he's an Edward's an OG Joe Goldberg, or Joe Goldberg is a current Edward. That's not a vampire. Yeah. And the last one, last but not least, we've got Jennifer another Jennifer. The meadow scene took fucking years. <laughs> LOL. Yes, it was nice to hear Edward's side and more of the vampire's backstories and everyone's thoughts, but oh my god, the teenage angst. Still a must read. Still recommend. No, it just depends. This book obviously isn't necessarily, it's not really, I don't feel like it's meant for new readers. It's really meant for the OG fans, the original readers of the Twilight series. And she makes that clear with her dedication. Which was really nice. That was a really nice dedication. Moment of truth. How many and what kind of phallic symbol would you rate this book? Okay, I'm going to rate it as uh, with strombolis because that's what I'm making for dinner tonight. I will send you a picture. Um, I'm excited. 
I'm going to make a girthy stromboli for dinner. And I would rate this maybe 2.5 or, or three strombolis. You know, it was, it kind of dragged out a little bit, but it was kind of fun putting myself back into that innocent time in my life and really getting to see like a, a different side of things, uh, like some of the reviews that you had gotten mm-hmm. saying that like, oh, it made some scenes from Twilight click a little bit better now that we have more background information. Yeah, it really did. It was nice that she did this for the fans. I, I really appreciate it, you know, because she's had this book taken away from her with it being leaked early. Yeah. And I think it meant a lot to her and it meant a lot to the fans. And yeah. All right. I'll, I'll do three solid girthy strombolis. Okay. Let me, write, let me write this down. Three girthy strombolis. All right. I'm really glad. Definitely reading the feedback from other readers it really clicks also I thank you so much to everyone in those Facebook groups that helped me out with this you guys are so awesome thank you so much let me see girthy solid girthy strombolis how many would I give it I'm I'm gonna go with two okay and I'm actually gonna post my review on the turgid tomes Goodreads account. So if you'd like to check that out, uh, you can you can head on over to Goodreads. But now, the true reason everyone probably listens and they just fast forward to, it is time for the bi-weekly boner. This is a segment where we will read the most ridiculous descriptions of boners that we can find prepare yourselves this is not for the faint of heart danny are you ready for the dirty description wait let me take another sip hold on (laughs) okay all right let's do it so i have to admit i'm not a romance novel reader it is something that i would like to get into because hearing you talk about all these different kinds of books and then, you know, also watching Bridgerton and realizing that that's from a romance novel. I would like to start reading some because I think they're more than just the novels that our moms used to read, you know, <laughs> like they are really fun and not just sappy and like overly yeah. dirty. Um, and also Twilight doesn't have any like boner descriptions in it, which is probably good. I feel like that'd be weird for a teenage book. A little bit, a little bit. So, it still counts. It's romance. Exactly. It's teenage romance. We're giving you the boner right now. So it's fine. It works. So um, I found an article online from Huffington Post that was written by Andy McDonald. Um, and he talks about this blogger, John Ferry. I'm probably saying that wrong. Where this uh, guy's wife reads a lot of romance novels. And so she, and she compiled a list of a descriptors for penises and vaginas. Uh, oh my, oh no. So I picked three from the list. The first one is iron hard tumescence, plenipotentiary instrument, and sinewy length of him. Take it all in, take it in. Okay, wait, okay. All right, Um. Mm. okay. 
Tumescence. I feel like I've I've seen that around somewhere. What was the second one? Plenipotentiary instrument. I'm just trying to think of like how that would be used. Spell it. Like in a sentence. It's yeah, but that doesn't sound very sexy. No. It's P-L-E-N-I-P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-R-Y. I also can't read my own handwriting, so hopefully I wrote that down correctly. <laughs> That's fine. I can't either. It's 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 chicken scratch. It's fine. Yeah, it's all like scribbles. All right. So <laughs> we have no idea what that means, but if any of you listening do, be sure to let us know. Um, yeah, what? Danny has supplied the pickled pecker for this week. Eventually, I'd like to hear about some wild wang descriptions from all of you listeners. So if any of you would also like to scar our ears for life, you can email the goods to turgidtomespodcast at gmail.com. Put bi-weekly boner in the subject line. And don't forget, you must include the name of the book and author. All right. Midnight Sun. Yay, we did it. Did it. <laughs> oh my gosh, first episode. Yay. What are we doing? Um, Who do I think I am? I <laughs> We're on Zoom. So you guys are going to get the audio for this, but we can actually see each other on Zoom. And I just wanted to let everyone know the dedication of Danny because she's literally sitting <laughs> in her closet on the floor. And she has been this whole time. <laughs> I'm hanging out with all the dresses and cute tops that I can't wear because we're in a pandemic right now. So exactly. It's very colorful. It's very nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. There's some fun stuff in here. I guess I could wear it around the house when I'm doing dishes, but it's just not the same, but not the same. Yeah. It's a little sad, but I'll probably do it anyway. We made it through the first episode. If you listeners, if good job, if any of you are still here, thank you so much. Uh, getting past all that ramble, rabble, ramble. First episode down. Thank you so much for doing this with me, Danny. Thanks for having me. I appreciate. I feel honored. You'll probably never want to do this again. Whatever. We already have the next book plan. So. Oh, that's right. Eventually, Danny and I are just going all in on the nostalgia for romance books so we're actually covering another YA romance series it's by Meg Cabot called the mediator series but we won't due to scheduling we won't actually be doing that the next episode it'll be a few down the line but don't worry I've got some spicy ones in the works that's a wrap for that thanks for hanging in there with us if you're still there Danny can finally uh, get out of her closet now. <laughs> All right. Bye, Danny. Bye. For anyone still here, you can join me back here in two weeks, and I will be covering The Duke and I, aka Bridgerton Number One, number one series on Netflix by Shonda Rhimes. The book is by Julia Quinn. Doodles. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or liking, subscribing, and following on whatever platform you're listening on. 
Not Enough Action for you? You can follow Turgid Tom's podcast on Instagram, like the Facebook page, or join the Goodreads group where you can chat with other listeners, lurk tawdry reviews, and get a heads up on what we're reading and drinking. If you have any suggestions or feedback, you can send it to turgidtomes at gmail.com. And last but not least, remember to fix each other's crowns and don't let the dicks get you down.